the germ, uh, 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 whatever, you know, petri dishes of germs. Listen, if I ever get to where I won't touch a kid, you can just take me on out of here because I'll touch the kids, and that's okay. We'll give them a high five, we'll give them a hug, and we'll love on them. And we're not, we're not worried about the sickness. We, we try to be smart about it, but I'm not a germaphobe. Uh, I believe that uh, God's got us. Don't you? Anybody believe God has us this morning? Before I, before I get into a short word, let me say this. Turn to somebody pat them on the shoulder. I want to commend you guys. I, we've said this before. Sometimes this is a tough church. You know why it's a tough church? Because we care about you. We, we preach truth and we preach hard sometimes. And we do that out of love because we really believe that the best of you is waiting. And we want to see that happen. But sometimes it's a tough church. I, Dad and I and, and the family, we joked over the years, like, if you're just half committed to something, if you're just halfway into something, why would you stay here in church? <laughs> because this is a tough place. I mean, if, you, if you're really wanting more of God, you're wanting to be the best that God can, uh, can, can make you to be, if you want the best life for yourself, this is an awesome place. But if you're in a place where you just want to go through the motions, get out real quick, and not have any trouble, and not feel guilty, or you just get a nice little warm path, this is probably not the easiest place to be. <laughs> but I want to commend you guys this morning to say how awesome you are, and I'm going to tell you why. You are awesome. You're awesome people. And, well, thank you so much. Thank you. But let me say why, why. We were singing that song, and, and I, I promise you, I almost grabbed the mic because we were talking about love God, love people, and Dad did the same thing. I said, I guess we're listening to the right one, tuned into the right channel. But we're talking about the love of God, but we're also talking about singing love songs to God, and I was thinking about that. You know, a lot of people say they love God. I mean, I mean, every gangster has a love God tattoo, right? I mean, that's okay. You know, I'm not getting, I'm not criticizing anybody. It's just true. You know, everybody on TV. You know, I mean, I don't care what they their life is like. They score the winning touchdown. They score the winning basket. I love God. Give credit to God. That's a good thing. You may as well give credit to God. But I was thinking about that and thinking about. Everybody says they love God, but do they love God? Then I was thinking, how do we know they love God? They love, they, we know they love God because they love people. Because the Bible says, how do you love God that you have not seen? If you don't love people, you do see. And, and I, I think it's really just silly of us to get up here and talk about loving God if you don't show love to people. I think you, 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 you're just talking a few words. But I believe this congregation loves people. And I believe you love God. And I see evidence of that all over the place in different ways. I see, you know, like a couple weeks ago that we had a need. And by the way, earlier when the kiddos were in here, this place was still pretty full. You may not realize this, though, but this morning we had 50 new chairs in this place. And you can't tell because it's been spaced in. And thank God we needed it because with the kids in here and everybody standing, it was still pretty. But, but God put it on somebody's heart and they didn't they didn't want any attention they didn't want to be known and, and, and they weren't doing it grudgingly they were happy to do it they were excited wow wow that's awesome it's awesome and then you know the, all the people that came early this morning to park and all that stuff and, and it's not just doing that stuff because you can be a doer and be the most hateful mean person in the world you just like doing it 
But it's not just doing, but you do it with a passion, a smile, and love for people, and positivity. That's what I love about this place, is you guys are positive. You guys smile, and you love, and you know, uh, uh, I mean, a lot of people look over Steve, and man, he, he'll come at 600 miles an hour and spread love. And you got to watch sometimes, because he, he loves hard. He hits hard sometimes. But, but what? But no, I commend you, because that's love. There's love. Yeah, you do know it is. And I can't... Huh? I'm handsome. Well, thank you, Steve. I guess that's love. Spirit, meditate, pray. Those of you that think it's just that pastors just roll in and get up here and preach, you ain't never lived with the Lord. Because pastors stay up all night, pastors get up early, and pastors are still wrestling with what to do, what to say, and trying to listen to God to the mo every moment they're sitting on that stage. But, you know, I was doing my thing, and some lady come up to me with the biggest smile and just wanted to spread love to me this morning. It touched my heart. Yeah. I want to commend you for that. That's love. And I believe with all my heart that that shows the love of God that you have. It's not, and you didn't give me money. You didn't do something. Uh, you didn't take me out to dinner. Although I, we're available for that. We're available for that. But no, I'm kidding. But the love you show touched me. I want you to know that. To me, it shows how much you love God. Because I think the love you have for people is a reflection of the love you have for God. So if you want to sing that song better, and I don't mean like Whitney Houston uh, levels, but I mean if you want to be able to sing that song from your heart, question yourself. Say, God, God, I want to love you more and love people more. Watch your negative words. Watch your negative actions. And love God, love people. Because if we, if we, the Bible says we can prophesy, we can cast out demons, we can raise the dead, we can walk on water, we can see a hundred salvations right here at this altar. We can evangelize. But without love, it's all noise. And it won't not to be Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, I, and I'll tell you one more story. we got to go because there's, there's a million stories I could tell to demonstrate your all's love. Uh, in fact, it's kind of weird. The only criticism I ever hear in this community about this church is that you love too many people. <laughs> that you love people that other people don't think you should love. And that's a good company to be in because that's the exact same thing they said about Jesus. So if that's the criticism you get, you keep on loving, baby. You keep on loving. But, but another story I heard just yesterday, there was a gentleman, I won't say names, just a few weeks ago that came in here 
in a bad need. Not well, pretty bad need. They lost their job and they had a pass and they had a hard time getting a job and they came here and prayed and somebody gave a word. I don't remember was it wasn't me, I don't believe. Might have been dad, might have been Judy, might have been Carrie at the service and she was testifying. But somebody gave a word that uh, maybe it was you dad that God was working things out on the backside of it. We didn't even see it that very day. And he received that word. Of course he got a job and he got a paycheck. And what I liked about it was you know, we live in an era where it's consumer-driven, where people come to church out, and they leave church and say, well, I just don't think I'm getting anything out of it. And I heard I heard Jason, and I appreciate that word, Jason. Now, you were all over where my heart was this morning. Anyway, you know, sometimes if you get to the point where you're not getting anything, maybe God said, great, and I start giving. You know, I, I hear people all the time, they, whether, whether it be to a, a bigger church or a small group, like prison, recovery, uh, life, what group, whatever the group is, whatever the, the thing is, youth, you know, they'll say things like that. Well, I just don't think I'm getting anything anymore. Well, maybe it's not about you. Maybe you shouldn't be so selfish and self-centered. Maybe you should come to this thing and say, I'm supposed to give today. Maybe it's not about what you can give today. Maybe it's about can I come to this thing and give today? What can I do to contribute? Instead of being a consumer, let's be a contributor. And so that, that, that gentleman I'm telling you about, he got that job. He didn't forget. That was like three or four weeks ago. So he yesterday, he drove like an hour. Did you know he probably do this? And did a free mechanic work, because he's a mechanic by trade, for somebody about $150 worth of work. Somebody in our congregation, he just couldn't do free. We didn't take money. We didn't take reimbursement. Because that's the love in his heart. Because, see, he knows what he got. And he didn't do it because he got. But he was able to do it because he got. And he wanted to pay forward what God gave him. To me, that's love. To me, that's love. God, that's love people. So I, I just say all that to say this. You guys are all are awesome to me. You're my heroes. And uh, I'm proud to be associated with you. 100 and if anybody has any question out there in the community of where I stand, <laughs> I will wear the shirt, I'll flay wave the flag. First of all, it's Jesus first. We're nothing without Jesus. But this little body that God has assembled together here on this hill, I'm as proud as I can be to be associated with you. You're awesome people. You love God, you love people. And the best is yet to come. Alright, so now I've, 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 I've sapped them with some love. Now I can skin them with some hard preaching, man. Is that right? No, no. No, I'm not going to do that. I don't think. I don't think so. What is 2024? The year of the... And of course, if, you're, if you've not been here all year, obviously we've got an open door up on stage and it, it, you know, if you hadn't been here all year, you'd probably think, well, that's an odd thing. But we've had this thing all up here all year. May stay all year. I don't know. But um, God's been sharing words, revealing words on different things involving the year of the open door. And I believe all my heart it is the year of the open door. And I believe this is the best year for you. I believe this year will be the best year for you. Because, we're, because one, I know who set your steps. If you stay in God's will, your steps, your steps will be set. He will be with you. He will guide you. When you get outside of that sometimes, that's, that happens. And we have to be readjusted, but 
I know that God is doing amazing things in this year. And God's doing amazing things in you. He's doing amazing things in me. The best is coming. And I still can't get over. We had a great proposal last week at, at, uh, at Lost Creek. That's awesome. I hope I didn't scare you, Tony. I said, that, that, that's been talked about. Well, I, I hope I didn't scare you because then I sent you a message because I know how the devil works. And I, I think there's a point we're getting to that all ties together. I know how the devil works. And when, when, God, when God starts pouring out his blessings, the devil wants to hit you in the jaw and make you not receive it. And I, I warned him. I said, now listen, Tony, don't you let the devil get in your, under your skin this week because he don't like what happened this week. And uh, I, I, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll keep a, a watch, you know. I hope I didn't scare you. But it's always good to be vigilant and pay attention because I'm here to tell you when you get your victory, the devil isn't going to let you just stay there. He's going to come at you twice as hard. And that's when you've got to be ready to stand on the Word, wear the full armor of God, and just you know, knock that sucker out, right? Just knock him in the chin and knock him out. So what, what, what I want to do, what I believe the Holy Spirit's put on my heart this morning is this. How many have believed you went through the, how many believe this is the year of the open door? Good. How many of you have uh, literally or figuratively, but most of you literally probably, as some service this year has come on this stage and walked through this door? Some of you have waved and, and some of you haven't, but how many have done that this year? Okay, most of you have. Okay. And, and maybe some haven't, but most of you have. And even if you didn't physically do it, I believe spiritually many of you in this room have taken that word to heart that God put on. Dad's uh, heart and all their hearts about going through the door. But I have a challenge or a question for you this, this morning that I think we need to be really real about this morning. Okay? That, that work started happening the, mo the moment James went through that door, which is probably the first Sunday in January. But now we're sitting here in March, the first Sunday in March. So we're two months in. We're the third month of this year. We're almost 25% through the year. And it feels like we just started the year of the open door. Time flies. But from January 1st, when you went through the open door, when you went through the door, leaving last year behind, leaving old things behind, leaving old thought processes behind, and you went into a new season of your life, how many, you don't have to raise your hand to this, on the other side of the door, has already messed up. Don't put your hand up. I'll put mine up. <laughs> but, but, I, but, 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 but this is milk and honey on the other. No, 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 no. It's a, it, this is, there's purpose, presence, and passion. There's renewed life on the other side of this door. Listen, there's more presence, there's more purpose, and there's more passion, and there's more power in your life awaiting. But God never said it'd be perfect on the other side of the door. So I believe the question up for us this morning is this. What do you do when you fail on the other side of the door? What do we do when we fail on the other side of the door? Because you will mess up. I was telling, talking to President Roman. gave a powerful word in prison the other night. And, and, and he, he really did about Barabbas. We are Barabbas. But before Roman got up, I was just briefly talking during worship and I said I said what I've seen for people that get out people like Reed and different people that get out their success because we've had some people get out and stay out and we've had some people get out and 
and they go back in. We've had people get out and literally steal cars from us. Within like two weeks of being out. I don't say that. I'm just saying sometimes the gospel hurts. <laughs> right? And so I, I say this to say, I told those guys because some of them were getting out. One of them might be giving a word here pretty soon. But 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 I was uh, I told us that the success rate long term is not does not seem to be related to do you mess up or not? Because you will mess up. The, the success rate will be dependent on what do you do after you mess up. So I'm here to tell you there will be failure in 2024. There will be failure on the other side of the door. And most of us, if not all of us, have already experienced that. And what the devil wants to do is tell you, see, that was a bunch of junk. There's nothing to that door. You're still going to mess up and nothing's changed. Because the one thing he fears is for you to really occupy the new land. And he wants to discourage you. But I'm here to tell you that it's not will we fail on the other side of the door. It's what we will do after the failure that will determine what happens on the other side of the door. You will fail yourself. You will fail others. You will fail God. You will sin. I heard a great theologian... Maybe not so much tell me or tell, tell somebody to tell me that Christians don't sin. And I was thinking, have you read the Bible? I mean, that's cool. It's a great theory. But unfortunately, the Bible says the exact opposite. I'll read some of it in just a minute. There's a great contradiction in the Bible in the writings of Paul. And I would tell all you young Christians in here, it's not, uh, sorry, it's not cool. It's not as trendy, you know, as reading about levitating. But I'm telling you here something. If you read, of course, Paul does some crazy stuff too. But if you get through his writings, not only does he talk about some powerful things in the Holy Spirit, but he also talks about some, some basic doctrine and some concepts of how the church people, how us, how we're supposed to, to operate. And I would tell all you young believers, spend less time in crazy stuff and spend more time in the in the Bible. Spend time in what the writings of Paul. Spend, spend time in what he said. Read it for yourself. And, 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 and so there's this great, and it seems like a contradiction, but there's this great tension biblically in the, in the writings of Paul, which is most of the New Testament, in sin versus grace. And I'm going to give you just a few scriptures and then we're getting on real quick. Uh, like it up there, 1 Timothy 1.15. I, I, I don't, I've not given her any pre-populated pre, uh, lists, so she's going to have to fly with me. This is a trustworthy saying. And everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I, Paul, and the worst of them all. Now I'm going to go to Romans 7, 15 through 21, Lakin. Romans 7, 15 through 21. This is Paul. As you can see, he's wrestling with this thing. He says, I don't really understand myself. For, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know 
Can, can you not just see him struggling with this as he writes this? But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's a sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to, I'm not really the one doing the wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I, I want to real quickly read it out of the, and you know what, she doesn't have it on the thing, but I want to read this real quickly out of, uh, out of the message. Just a different translation. I, I, it is Romans 7. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself, after all. I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but I act another. Doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For I know the law, but I still can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps me sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. This is Paul. This is Paul. I want a Christian too. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands. But it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. <laughs> Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I expected, least expected, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps me. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who could do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ came and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions. Where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Last verse is Lakin, Romans 6, 14 through 15. Give the what looks like a contradiction. It's really not. I'll explain it in a second. Sin, the same guy wrote this. Okay. Paul, who just wrote that, writes this. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well, then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does it mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. You may be seated. So, I mean, this is a this is a crazy thing to read because you read Paul saying. I try my best not to sin, but I continually sin. 
This is Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament. And, and this is what he's telling me. And the same guy that says, follow me as I follow Christ, says, I'm struggling that daily I find myself rebelling against God and messing up. But then he says, but that doesn't give you an excuse to go on sinning. You shouldn't sin. But I sin. But I shouldn't sin. And so, there's a great contradiction or tension in the word about what do we make of all this. I think I can sum it up like this. And I hope, I hope I'm doing it theological justice, Devin. You, you got a big hook over there in case I do something wrong. I hope. I'm a basketball fan. And if you give me the ball, I was never a great player. I played a little bit of college because I was, I guess, headstrong enough to play. But I was not near the player that other people were or are. But one thing I was, I wasn't afraid to shoot. You put me in, I'm going to shoot. You don't want to put me in, sit me down. If I put me in, I'll shoot. And every time I shot, I tried to make it. Why would I go in and intentionally miss the ball? And so when Paul says, should we have grace to keep on sinning? Surely not. He said, why would you shoot a shot trying to miss? You're not even trying. Look at the goal. Shoot your best shot. Practice. Be prepared. Be ready. Be confident. Shoot your shot. But, Steph Curry or Larry Bird or whoever. They can practice a million shots a day and they won't make 100%. Man, that's exactly right. In fact, the greatest percentage of all time is probably about 56% for a career of made shots. Every shot they take, they try to make. But human statistics show that humans aren't perfect and they fail. And you can't make all shots. So what do we do when we miss a shot? Because sin is that. It's missing the mark. Somebody says, well, that preacher says they're making mistakes. That he's, not, he's, 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 he's trying to be soft on sin. No, I'm saying when you sin, you call it a mistake. You can call it missing the mark. You can call it intentionally or unintentionally doing things you shouldn't do. But when you sin, when you mess up, when you miss your shot, then the question becomes not will we do it because as Paul said, you will miss shots. The question is what will you do with the missed shot? How will you react after you miss the game win shot? Some shots are minor. Some shots, you know, they don't, they don't show up much. You know, you're ahead by 20... Uh, and, and there's a, a wide open lamp, you miss it. Okay, and you've already got 20 points. It's, you know, whatever. I'll get it next time. But there's some shots. You know, you guys that have, have kids, you've, you've seen them in this situation. They're at the free throw line, and it's a tie game, and their hands are shaking. There's all that pressure. And they miss that one shot. That kid feels like he has just let down the world. I just lost the game. Not forgetting the fact that everybody on that team has missed about 38 shots that game. But that one shot stands out, and it's that way in life sometimes. Sometimes shots seem big because the circumstances are big. 
But I'm here to tell you we all miss shots. Sometimes a shot really stands out because the game appears to be on the line. But sometimes a shot doesn't show as much. But you still miss shots in life every day. The question is what do we do on the other side of the door when we fail or when we miss shots? Because I'm here to tell you we will. It's not that you try to miss shots, nor should you try to miss shots, nor should you excuse the miss shot. The miss shot should bother you. The miss shot should cause you to practice more. The miss shot should cause you to stay up late at night. That's okay. But it should not stop you from taking the next shot. It cannot stop you from taking the next shot. So what do we do with missed shots in 2024? Now I can tell you, that's what Robin would say. I can tell you many biblical stories about people that bounce back from failure. But one of my favorite stories that I just want to talk about one. That's the difference between an old preacher and a young preacher. I think one of them. Is young preachers, I would have about six stories in here I'd try to give you. But I've learned I can't possibly give it to you. So I just want to focus on one. Is that alright? But it's a good one. It's one of my favorites. There's a couple people in the Bible that are kind of smaller names. But man, they preach. And, and the one I want to talk about is a guy that went through the door and messed up on the other side of the door. Because if there's people in this room and you've already messed up on the other side of the door, the devil's tried to already steal that blessing for you this year. And I'm here to you just look you in the eye and say, not today, devil. Because I'm going to get up. And I'm going to take the next shot. I'm going to take the next shot. I, I, I saw this, and I, I, don't, I apologize to those that hate sports. Uh, you can call it failure, you can call it whatever, but you get the concept. If you don't like sports, you still get the concept. What I want to talk about is a man named John Mark. And we've preached to you before, so most of you may have heard of him, but it's been a while, so maybe they haven't heard, maybe you haven't or forgotten him. But John Mark was a New Testament character. Young man who was, uh, he was, he, he was come for money. His mama was a Mary, but not the Mary that, of, of Jesus and not the other Mary, but a Mary. <laughs> there were a lot of Marys, so that's a common name back then. But his mom was named Mary. They had money. And they had influence. They supported the early movement of the church. They supported missionaries. And, and Paul, as Paul was, was being an apostle and going around planting churches and, 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 and really creating a church through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus created 12 disciples. And, and, and then God used Paul to, change, to, to, convert, to, to transfer those 12 disciples into a church, a global movement. And so, so, so that's who this lady was. And John Mark was apparently a, a young guy from a affluent family. He, he didn't fit the mold of a broken, you know, beat up. Uh, uh, he, he come from something. He, I, I'm assuming come from money. He was probably well spoken. He had all the advantages of his of his money. Uh, he had influence already with Paul because Paul relied upon his mother for for fund to fund the gospel. And he was also a cousin of Barnabas. So he was not only had money, he was connected. He had the right connections. And, and, and so he got some attention and, 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 he, and, and, 
And so apparently Holy Spirit had told Paul that this young man had future, had purpose, and he wanted him around. So he said, John Mark, I want you, I'm going to choose you to go with me and Barnabas on our first mission together. Very dangerous mission because they're just starting. You know, it's like that, it's like the missionary that got that got the that was down there facing the cannibals and they some people wrote from home and said, once you get everything set up, we'll come help you. And he said, <laughs> he said, don't come help me. If you won't help me now, just forget it. I don't need it then. I, I need your help when we're, when we're cutting brush. I need your help when we're fighting off enemies. I need your help. I need your help when it's hard. Don't come and all the words to sit down and say, boys, you want me to order a pizza? <laughs> Sounds like a play, though. So he said, John Mark, I'm going to choose you to go through a new door in your life. You've, you've grown up this way, but we believe God has purposed you for something more. You're going to leave behind your comfort. You're going to leave behind your money. And we're going out on the field. And we're going to fight because, Juwan, as you know, you get in battle. Where you come from don't matter no more, does it? Color your skin don't matter no more. Your, your, your favorite football team don't matter no more. You get in that foxhole. You get in that battle, and an army becomes one as you were in the desert. I appreciate your service. Thank you so much, sir. So he said, we're going to take you through the door. And so John Mark did something. He took a chance, as many of you have done in 2024. He went through a new door. And he said, I want to go leave my mama, leave my money, and I'm going to go with these two missionaries to dangerous places and spread the gospel and change the world. What a powerful opportunity. What a powerful door he walked through. It wasn't about him. He was just an assistant. But to be a part of something to see the world change, what more could you ask for? He was chosen to step through that door. And to the young man's credit, he did step through the door. And it was a dangerous trip. Paul, at one point, there was a sorcerer. Y'all don't think this stuff's good. It's better than most of the movies you watch. I mean, I know they say, well, you know, Jesus didn't want the disciples to call down the bear like Elisha and kill the kids. Y'all know that story of the Old Testament? Kids would call Elisha Baldy because he didn't have any hair, so he called the bear out of the woods and ate the kids. That's, that's gangster right there, baby. That's hardcore. They said Lost Creek, sorry, that's gangster. We ain't eating no well, somebody said we might burn them, but we ain't eating no kids up here. But in the New Testament, Paul's on this missionary trip with Barnabas. This sorcerer starts babbling on. And so Paul just strikes him blind. Paul was gangster too. Paul says, Shut up, I'm blind you know, in the name of Jesus, and just blinded the cat. These are hardcore stuff. That's war. You're in war. Stop loving on your demons and stop blinding and casting them out. We ain't, we ain't here to battle Love the sheep. Care for the sheep and run every wolf and every goat off the hill. Because we ain't here to love on them. Dangerous trip. 
Somebody said, well, I got some amens on that one. Have horns and stuff. So I want to read Acts 13 13. Like so, John Mark goes on this trip. He's got the chance. He's went on the other side of the door. He's been called into a great calling, a chance to change the world. And here's what it says Paul and his companions then left Paphos by ship for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Pergamon. And there, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. Come on. He got on the other side of the door, and Paul counted on him to be there for him. And Joker left them there high and dry. That's it. Couldn't take it. Now, the Bible doesn't fully explain why. Was it because he was a mama's boy? Well, I'm not trying to offend any mama's boys or mamas or boys or whatever. I ain't trying to offend nobody. But the Bible does imply that he was very close to his very well-off mama. I don't know. Or was it the comfort and the wealth that he had a hard time giving up? Or was he scared? Or was Paul rough on him sometimes and he couldn't take it? I don't, there's all these are possibilities, right? Paul was a pretty rough guy at times. He laid it straight. He laid it straight. I don't know why the young man quit. But quit. He left his calling. So he got on the other side of the door. Woo! I bet when they pulled out of the parking lot. You know, every team on the bus, when they pull out of the parking lot. Woo! You get a team, most teams behind about 10 points in the first quarter. They've already quit. They're about to suck it on the eggs. Hate life. And they start fighting amongst themselves. Where was all that passion you had a few minutes ago? Where was all that fight you had a few minutes ago? I bet when John Mark left, he was full of zeal. But something happened there. And the young man quit. Paul later called him a quitter. Paul later put that label on him. I told you Paul be harsh. I ain't that harsh. I sometimes preach in a way because I, that's the way God gives me messages, but I promise you I'm not harsh. You can ask my wife. I'm very, I'm very sensitive and, and, and loving. Really am. Am I? Who? Who? Come here. They won't leave. They're laughing. And be honest. Of the two of us, Who's the more hardcore character? Foul. <laughs> Who's the more sensitive when he gets his feelings hurt all the time? I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I'm just saying I'm not as mean as you all think I am. But Paul, he, yeah, right. But, but, but Paul called this guy one of his protégés. He said, you're a quitter. Imagine if I told me all that. You didn't show up for something. You're supposed to meet me at the bus for prison. You're a quitter, Gerald. That wouldn't go over too well, would it? Hurt your feelings, wouldn't it? And that's why I wouldn't do that. But Paul was pretty straight, Christ. He just called him straight out and said, you're a quitter. You ain't good enough for this mission. Whoa, that's tough. 
do what I believe. I believe he did that, not to tear him down. I believe he did that because he knew he. You know, I used to. Where's my daughter? I know she's here. I coached her for many years, and I coached a lot of kids for many years. And she can tell you, I only coached hard the ones that were good. The ones that could barely hold a glove up, I just pat them on the back and try to encourage them and love them. But the ones I knew could go to the next level, I pushed them because I knew they could. I knew they had it in them. I believe that's what Paul was doing here. I don't really believe he was thinking John Mark was a quiver. I believe he was trying to kick him in the tail and say, Son, I still believe you're the man I believed you to be when I told you to come with me on this mission. But I love you too much to pay it back to you. I'm going to look you in the eye and say, Papa, get out. That's what Paul did anyway. <laughs> he did. So I'm going to read you what Paul said. So he left him high and dry. And so then something happens, they come back and they want to go on another trip. And his cousin says, Let's take old John Mark with us and give him a second chance. We all need second chances. I need 30 chances. Old Barnabas says, That's my that's my brother really. So I'm going, I bet Mama, I bet Mary Mama Mary was giving Barnabas time. You go to Paul. You fight for him. You advocate for him. You get that boy a second chance. That's my boy. He's special. So Barnabas goes to Paul. He says, Paul, I know he I know he left his high and dry. But give him one more chance. We're going on a mission. Let's take John Mark with us. Now you'd think, since this is New Testament, everybody thinks it's all warm and bubbly, that Paul would have said, that's a great idea. But I want you to put up like in Acts 15, 36 to 39. Acts 15, 36 to 39. All right, here we go. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the Word of God to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp they separated. And Barnabas took John Mark and sailed for Cyprus. He goes on to say Paul took Silas with him. John Mark was such a contentious subject, it broke up the Beatles. John Mark was Yoko Ono. I mean, you got, you got Paul and Barnabas. They're the dream team, baby. They're the dream team. And, and Paul felt so passionate about this subject that John Mark was not yet ready. that he said, Barnabas, I'm not backing down. You take him in. I'm going with Silas. It was a pretty strong thing. This Paul believed very strongly about this point. In fact, I'll read it. I'm going to read two different translations just so you get There's the passion. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let's travel to the regions where we preach the word of God to see how the believers are getting along. Barnabas wished to take Mark, also known as John, along with him. But Paul disagreed. He didn't think it was proper to take the one who had deserted them in south central Turkey, leaving them to do the missionary work without him. It became a heated argument between them. A disagreement so sharp they parted from each other. Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus and Paul chose Silas. 
as his partner. And one more translation just so you get it in the message. After a few days of this, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit all our friends in each of the towns where we preach the word of God. Let's see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John along that John didn't name Mark. But Paul wouldn't have him. He wasn't about to take along a quitter who was who as soon as the going got tough had jumped ship on them in Pamphylia. Yeah. Tempers flared and they ended up going their separate ways. He wasn't about to take a quitter who deserted the ship. That's what he thought of John Mark. John Mark had went through a new door. He went through a new calling. He went through a new season. He opened the door. He went to the other side. He was excited. He left behind his past. But he got when it was getting tough. He messed up and he missed the shot. In fact, Paul didn't even get mad at him for missing the shot. He got mad because he wouldn't take the shot. Because he had the ball on his hands. And he wouldn't take the shot. So he, he didn't want to take it anymore. So I think there's a question here for us. If we all mess up, does that mean like John Mark, that once we mess up, we don't get second chances and we're so supposed to just go back to the other side of the door and live like we did before? Because as many of you know, what was that guy's name, Paul? Uh, he's dead, but he was awesome on the radio. Like from Chicago. Paul Harvey from Chicago. Paul Harvey would tell a story like this and then he would go and the rest of the story. Because there's a part of the story, if you don't know the story, you're not going to see COVID. John Mark didn't quit on the other side of the door. He didn't get a free do-over. And that's what hurts us sometimes. We think it's supposed to go out the way we mean. If we mess up, there's no repercussions and we just keep going. Guess what? There was repercussions. He did not get to go on his mission trip with Paul and Barnabas. In fact, he split them up. He didn't just get a do-over. There was prices to be paid for his mistakes. Sometimes there's prices to be paid for our mistakes. Doesn't mean we forfeit our future. It just means sometimes there's a price. So Paul didn't take John Mark. But John Mark didn't quit. That's right. John Mark went to Barnabas. Became a missionary. Took the gospel of Jesus everywhere. And not only that, he got pretty close with some other cat named Peter. Apparently served him well. Peter preached many times at his house. Become very close. Later in Paul's life, Lincoln, I want you to put up Acts 15. No, 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 I just want to just read it. 2 Timothy 4, 6 to 11. Later on in his life, Paul described John Mark. Now, earlier, you remember, Paul called him a quitter. Paul said, He deserted me. I don't want nothing to do with this, this jack, this cat. But John Mark apparently changed his mind. Not by his mouth. Not by entitlement. Putting his head down. Going back to work. When you miss the shot, you hit the gym the next morning. 
and you take a thousand more. And so what Paul said is this. This is Paul near the end of his life. Paul said, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I fought the good fight. And I finished the race. And I remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but all of you who look forward to his appearing. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loved the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Listen to this. Bring Mark with you when you come. For he will be helpful to me in my ministry. Truth was, John Mark wasn't ready for that trip. Paul was hard on him. But Paul knew he had a big calling in his life. And there at the end, Paul recognized that the boy went back to work. And he kept taking shots. And Paul said, you know what now? When the game is on the line, put Timothy in the game. I'll throw him the ball. And I'll trust him to take the shots. He'll be useful to me. The one he called a quitter just a little while ago. Now he says, he is useful to me. I, I want to read that in one more translation. I know I've done that a few times. It's the last scripture I think I, I'm going to read maybe. Yeah, that, that's, that's from the great theologian, my mom. She says that, and I believe that, and it's good. That's good preaching. You miss it. 100% of the shots you don't take. God restored John Mark. Yes, he did. But John Mark put in the work. John Mark didn't sit and act entitled. He didn't uh, you know, go wait for somebody else to do it for him. John Mark went back out on the missionary field and he preached the gospel. He did the work and he pivoted when, when, when he had to pivot. This is what the, the message says. Get here as fast as you can. Demas is chasing fads. He went off to Thessalonica and left me here. Crescent is a Galatia. Titus is a Dalmatian. Luke is the only one here with me. Bring John Mark with you. He'll be my right hand. Man. Yes. There's people that chase. There's people that will come and go. They'll chase. They're like dogs. You put a dog outside, our poor old dogs. They'll chase everything. We got, we got one dog that'll act like if he sees a squirrel like he's seen a bear. He acts the same. I mean, he does. He'll just chase anything. We got one dog that's a right hand. And they're all sweet. But one will stay right there by your side. He's a right hand. 
You can count on him. He doesn't chase everything. And he won't leave you for the next sound in the woods. He's right by your side. That's good. John Mark became Paul's right hand. So he he preaches the gospel. He falls in with Peter. He becomes very close to Peter. He serves Peter. He gives Peter the pulpit in his own house. He supports Peter. Oh yeah, this guy John Mark. You ever heard of Matthew Mark? Luke John. He wrote the Gospel of Mark by interviewing Peter and writing down Peter's gospel, his account of Jesus Christ. That's not a bad comeback. <laughs> What'd you do on the other side? I just read, read, read one, wrote one of the four Gospels, that's all. I just wrote the Gospel. What did you do after you messed up? He wrote a Gospel. He didn't quit. The quitter didn't quit. He said, that's not me. I will keep shooting my shot on the other side of my failure. On the other side of your door. When you miss the shot, keep taking the next shot. That is the redemption of John Mark. When you get on the other side of this door, you'll miss shots. But take the next one. And trust and get there. You know what? I believe it'll hit the mark. I want to finish on a real personal thing real quick. And I, I know it's going to embarrass and I hate that. But it'll be good for you. So I love. I'm going to tell a story about my son. Jake, this is your chance to leave if you need to. Okay. I'm going to tell you, you have great kids in this room. And I support you. I don't care. I support all these local kids. I like to see them do well in their, in their sports and their academics and their lives. And I like when they go off and become lawyers and doctors and preachers and whatever they become. And I like when they see them go play quarterback and go play games. And I like to see them when they, we've got girls and boys in this room that are very successful. Cheerleaders and athletes. And, and that's not everything. We've got people that don't do any of that. They're just amazing kids that do their own thing. That's right. But I want to say something about my son real quick. He said, why don't you preach about my son? Why well, I can't embarrass your son. <laughs> you can do that. I'm going to be a very vulnerable person. I hope he doesn't take offense to this. He's the best basketball player in a way, in some ways, overall that I've seen around here in a while, in my opinion. I'm, I'm, I know I'm biased, but he plays smart. He plays the game the way it's supposed to be played. He passes when he should pass. He picks when he should pick. He's ten times the player I've ever been. I was never close to his level. Now, I don't tell him that. I tell him he messes up all the time. <laughs> But he, he really is that good. But he struggled a lot with one thing. Having the confidence after he misses some shots to keep shooting. And, and like if he misses two or three shots, he'll just shut down. And I don't say that in criticism because I would, I'm, I'm with him. I get it. We do that in our spiritual walk, our life. And I've had talks with him. 
That's what grandmothers come up to that. Grandmother told him after one game, son, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Because he'd score like 28 points in the first half and then he'd take zero, like one shot in the third quarter. But if he misses one or two, it's in his head. Yep. And his coach even had a conversation. He said, son, we need you to take shots. But it's hard for him. He's working on it. Because when you miss the shot, you get conditioned to be afraid to take the next one. What he's working on the next phase of his development as a ball player is what I want to do spiritually. It's become the player who, even though he's missed the shots, knows the ball's in his hand. And he's open. That he's supposed to take that shot. God didn't put you where he put you for a reason. Baskets right in front of you. You might have missed something in the past. But you better believe in this moment. It's a game on the line. That you can take the shot. Yeah. If you take it, the chances are it could win. If it doesn't, it was still the shot you were supposed to take. Because you know what happens when you take the shots you're supposed to have take, Josh? Even when they miss, if it's the shot you're supposed to take, there's offensive rebounds, there's fouls, all sorts of good things happen if you take the shot. And that's what Jake is working on this year. And that's what I'm working on this year. I'm not out there playing ball anymore, Tony. Thank God. Y'all ever said a Saturday Night Live thing? With that, you shouldn't have. Say, say no, just say no, because all the religious people will, will criticize you if you watch, ever watch that. Back in the day, the Hans and Franz, I will pump you up. And the, guy would, the guy would lift weights, and he would yank up the weight, and his arm would just stay attached to the weight, and he'd come on. That's how I would be trying to shoot ball. My body would just break apart. It would just break apart. But spiritually, we've all got to mess up. But keep taking your shot yeah. on the other side. And know that we'll find the mark. Know that we're in God's plan. Because when the coach tells you, when the coach says, come around that screen, Jeff, come around that screen, and that ball's going to hit you in your hands, and you just trust right now, and you just put that, when God tells you to take the shot, when He draws up the play, you got to take the shot and trust that the coach knows what he's talking about. I'm here to tell you, God knows what he's talking about. He puts you in the game. He puts you on the team. And he puts you in the position to take the shots you get. Take your shots in 2024. On the other side of the miss. Because miss is happening, bro. But we keep shooting. <laughs> All right, Amy. Thank you for putting up with me. Uh, I know I read all kinds of translations and verses, and I appreciate you listening. Could I ask you to bow your heads just real briefly? I hope I didn't embarrass Jake too bad. He's a heck of a player. I, I guess I'm not supposed to say heck, am I? My life, Mom's not here, so we pray for Mama, if you think I shouldn't say it, you should be here next time. No, I love you, Mama. I'm praying for you. 
sometimes you got to get personal. It's part of your testimony. And I, I pray that God's reached your heart today. And I pray that He's encouraged you to stay in the game. And on the other side of the door, even when you miss, even when you make mistakes, keep shooting, keep coming back. How do you shoot? Keep praying. Keep being positive. Keep loving. Keep smiling. Keep showing up. Keep supporting. Keep leading. Keep doing the things that God would have you be about. Whatever it is that God puts on your heart, be about it. Do it more. And do it with all you got. That's what happens a lot of times with people with church hurt. They, they get hurt and they just quit the whole thing. But I'm here to tell you, keep shooting the shot. Keep shooting the shot. Can I ask you right now, is there anybody in the room right now that says, you know what? I've had some mess ups lately and it's gotten my head. It's caused me to question things in my life. Is there anybody that would be honest of all want to say that right now? I just want to pray for you. Put your head up high if that's you. I want to pray for you. I see your hands. I want to encourage you. I to pray for you, but I want to encourage you that in 2024, you're supposed to be here. And you're supposed to keep taking your shot. And the next one might be the one that wins the game. You never know. Lord, if you want that prayer for you over your life, just raise your hand right now. I'm just going to know. Everybody keep your head down. I'm just going to walk around and pray over you real quickly. Lord, all these hands that are up, I pray for each person in this room, Lord, that you give them confidence and courage to keep going forward. On the other side of their failures, on the other side of their messed ups, on the other side of our mistakes, Lord, give them the courage to go forward and keep taking their shot, knowing that with you we will win. We're on the winning team, and with you we will win. In Jesus' name, heads still bowed. I'm going to ask you to have some courage. If Holy Spirit is talking to you, if you don't know God, or if you do know God, as our brother said earlier, you've stepped away, or even if you've not stepped away, but you're through a down period. You've had some failure. You've had some letdowns, disappointments. And you know you need to get back in the game and get on the court. It's time to say, Coach, put me in. Coach, put me in. I remember that Hoosiers movie where they, the good player was in the huddle and the, the coach came up with some play and they used him as a decoy. And the whole team looked at the coach and the good player looked at the coach and he said, Coach, give me the ball, I'll make it. This is your time. This is your time. This is your time. This is your time. God called this year for you. He's put you here. You are in the place you're supposed to be in. You're with the people you're supposed to be with. And today is your day. This is no accident. So I'm going to do something. I'm going to count to three. If you had your hand raised, or even if you didn't have your hand raised, and God wants to call you to come and pray, I want you just to come and pray. Nobody will mess with you. Nobody will bother you. It's just your opportunity to come spend a couple seconds, a couple moments with God and pray right now. Say, God, I'm ready to get back in the game. Are you ready? One, two. When I get to three, everybody stand and just come forward. Three. Stand up, please. And if you're called, come on forward. If God's calling you, come on forward. If God's calling you forward, just come on forward. Just come pray. Just come pray. If God's calling you forward, come on forward. Put them in, coach. 
I'm going to have them just play some music. The altar's open. You can come. Anytime you want to come, you can come pray or you can come pray with somebody else. Thank you. 